Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Damika Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And if you ask me how I'm doing, I'll more than likely respond with a gif or a jif. Yeah. Well, first, I will probably respond with just a sound or a <laughs> string of letters. Uh, <laughs> second, do you say gif or jif? I say jif. Jif. I say jif. Is that, do you say gif? I don't know what I say. I try not to it's say like, it because it gives me anxiety. Those, yeah, it's one of those things that when I think about it, I can't remember how I actually say it. I think I use both. I say gif comedically. So if I say it wrong, people will be like, oh, I get the comedic tone. She's trying to be funny. And or if it is the correct way that I am saying it the correct way. I'm trying to have it both ways. Right. I mean, I think gif is what the inventor of it decided it was. But I think we all said jif for so long. I, I don't even know. Things like this really hurt my head. And then you have the people who say a G-I-F. And I just tell them to get what? the hell out. What? That is... No. Yeah. No. I tell them to leave immediately. <laughs> and I say, oh my gosh, we can't be friends anymore. That was quick. Thank you. It's like when you realize someone's a loser before you start dating them, you're like, ooh, foof, dodge that bullet. That's how I feel when people say a G-I-F. Right. I mean, it stands for, what, graphics... In interchange thing format. Ooh, that sounds kind of right. It sounds on the level. I think that's what it is. So grr gif. <laughs> this is this is not a conversation anybody wants to hear. <laughs> and we you know what we're we're trying to be provocative and funny and now people know just how like illiterate we are as far as right. technology goes. Uh, speaking of gifts <laughs> Segway queen. All right, yes. Speaking of gifts, yes. they're an excellent way to share images on the internet. <laughs> we, Someone has to make these images. Yes. And usually it's an artist. Yes, an artist. A beautiful artist. And artists are people. Artists are people <laughs> too. It's true. And that should inspire us. What should we do with this inspiration, Danny? Well, I think that means today. We should switch up format a little bit and so talk what? to an artist. Like a person? Let's talk to another person that's not just Danny and Damika this week. <laughs> and the shouts of cries of joys across the land. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on a serious note, we have an amazing, real, tactile artist here with us today who has graced us with her amazing time. Um, and letting us interview her a day. She is also a beautiful biracial unicorn. Uh, Danny actually knows her in like real life. I do. In one of my many hats that I wear in my life, I do work in the visual arts world as an arts administrator, which is how I met our guest today, Helen Atkins. She's an artist and arts educator and arts organizer. And we're so, so happy to have her this week. So hi, Helen. Hola, Helen. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Hola. <laughs> we like to ask as our very first question always, the question that all of us mixed race people hate so mm -hmm. much. What are you? All right. I'm so ready for this because I actually don't hate this question. I kind of love it. The thing that only makes me uncomfortable is when I can tell that somebody like is trying to ask me this question, but they don't know how to do it. And they say something really awkward and weird. Like mm. somebody once asked me what my background was. And I was like, do you mean to my phone or <laughs> like, what are you, <laughs> what are you saying? 
So I was like, what do you mean my background? But no, and I, every time I sort of run into somebody that I can tell is mixed race, I want to ask because I think Mm. it usually is like a really interesting story about, you know, like two people meeting or like how families connect. And so I actually Mm. don't mind this question, but I am, I'm black and white. My dad is white. He is from Ohio and my mom is black and she is Venezuelan. So my mom is also an immigrant. Mm. So I kind of consider myself a biracial Afro-Latina. That's what I am. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. And I saw, I really enjoy that. You've really brought that positive spin onto it, which I think it's something like I myself have been trying to been like, well, where is the positive in that, in that curiosity? And I think you've nailed it on the head of just if people were just out with it and also um, mm-hmm. and just accepted it for face mm. value as well yeah. <laughs> instead of being like oh i didn't think that's what an, you know an afro latina would look like or do, do you know what i mean that is really that's so yeah. cool i also i often find that um a lot of times other foreigners are way more upfront about it and i like that like i think in venezuela mm-hmm. the conversation around race and ethnicity and heritage is just a little bit more open and then mm. in the states it's when people start getting like real it's like a they tiptoe around the question and that's what makes it sort of offensive Mm. to me where I'm like it's not an offense like my race and my ethnicity is not it's not taboo and it's not um some sort of scandal (laughs) you know what I mean it's just (laughs) facts about myself I totally dig I completely agree I think that because we don't know how to talk about it it makes it very Mm -hmm. awkward and uncomfortable and you have both ends right you have the people who are offensive because they're jerks and then you have people who are offensive because they're trying to be overly polite yeah (laughs) yeah so I definitely feel that I am not as comfortable with the question as you are I'm so (laughs) awkward but I also have that impulse to be like if I think somebody's mixed race I just kind of like latch onto them, but I yeah. don't say anything about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, tell me your life story. Like, you know, I just, I, it's so, I don't know. I think it's, I think mixed race people, a lot of us just have interesting familial history and stories. And I'm always interested in what others' experiences are. So I try not to take offense when, but then also sometimes you get these weird, like fetishy questions, but you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There, there is a line, but you're completely right. Like, honestly, especially like familial stories, I think makes kids hands down because we just have um, a plethora to, to, to kind of pick from. We have just different dynamics we have to kind of uh, mm-hmm. navigate through. And so the stories are always tend to be slightly juicier uh, and just yeah. genuinely fascinating. I think that is um, mm-hmm. and that's something I definitely latch to and look, look forward to in meeting other people from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I'm so I feel like there's such a lap, uh, lapse in my knowledge about people who are from Venezuela talking about race. Oh, I would love to like pick your brain about that. Uh, when we have loads of time, but we want to hear about your art. We want to hear about okay what kind of art that you do. Yeah, so I consider myself an interdisciplinary artist. I do mixed media work, and I do a lot of work with diverse communities, a lot of community engagement work. Visually, I like to focus on figurative artworks and a lot of times female subjects and bodies and body issues. But I kind of have my hands on a lot of different things. And I also write, so it's kind of hard to just encapsulate, right? It's hard Mm. to just describe, but mostly ceramics and painting and, you know, um, a lot of feminist art, a lot of collaborative work. 
I'm interested in identity and how identity changes personally and communally and kind of the dualities and contradictions that are in identity. And that probably has to do with being, you know, mixed race. I think Mm. that probably enters Mm. in there. But yeah, so I'm that's a little bit about what I do. <laughs> this project that I have been low-key stalking, uh, Plates Against Patriarchy, that you've been mm-hmm. doing and been a part of. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And I, we, would have, we have to probably link it to maybe like our Instagram so other people can see. I know it's a collaborative thing that you're doing right now. Yeah. So that started, you know, like way way back a couple of years ago in 2016 is when we sort of had the inception for it. And it was me, Jordan Bernicke and Monique Rivera, and we're all artists, ceramicists, and we have distinct styles and techniques and parts of the ceramic process that we're really good at. But then we were also, you know, I will say like, you know, 2017, Trump became our president and it was just a weird time. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. we were all kind of considering our place in the world. I know that I was, I was really not that I didn't do it before, but I, it really came to this like sort of collision at that point where I was thinking of what it means to be a woman in this country, what it means to be a Black woman, a mixed race woman, a daughter of an immigrant, and sort of dealing with this idea of feeling unwanted, you know? And I think mm. not that those unwanted feelings hadn't existed before, but it was just so clear in that election and that just the dialogue and the discourse of what was happening that women are still dehumanized. And it was at that point where I think me and a lot of my artist friends were just talking about like, what can we do? Like, what should we do? And all of these sort of different zany ideas were getting thrown around. I think (laughs) there was one idea of us like buying a double-decker bus and like having art installations and passing out free plan B, just like really weird, crazy (laughs) feminist ideas. I kind of love it though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like we had all of these like really big outlandish ideas. And then I think the plates against patriarchy just sort of came together in this more realistic way. Monique Mm -hmm. was, is this amazing potter. She's just like a prodigy at it. You know, she'd been throwing for a few years and she threw, I think one plate and it was stunning and beautiful. And then I was doing these, trying to, capture this painterly effect with glazes and Mm. Jordan was doing this pottery with all of these really lovely um, floral and calligraphy embellishments and it sort of just like popped together in our minds I was like you should make a plate and I should put portraits on it and then Jordan could like decorate them but it can be quotes from what women have to say and we can share their stories and yeah like it kind of just fell together really naturally and then we each did one of ourselves so we sort of it's each piece is collaborative. We each of us works at on a plate at a different stage. And we started with doing um ones for ourselves and it was a really cathartic experience writing this sort of essay about what I wanted to say in that time in my life in regards to our society. And, mm. you know, taking a photo of myself in a way that I wanted to share it and then making an art piece out of it. And so we wanted to open that up to other women and we made an open call and we had over 40 participants around the country and the Harwood Art Center was just so wonderful to accept our proposal for the gallery exhibition and right now it's up and it's kind of this crazy thing that <laughs> you know it was an idea that just popped into our heads and it actually came to fruition so it's been a really interesting intense and 
uplifting experience, I think. Mm. We're recording on the weekend, but this episode will come out on Tuesday. So anybody who's in Albuquerque who might be listening right away, the show is up for a couple more days. So if you have a chance to see it, you really should. Mm -hmm. It is stunning. Colors are vivid and it's such a beautiful uh, platform or something like that's delicate about a plate but the messages are so mm-hmm. strong it's I, it's mm. just a beautiful mixture of like of all things and, and to have these different art forms mesh together you would never know it was like people like three separate different visions and art forms it has such a unified look to it so if you have opportunity unlike us who live across the ocean you should go <laughs> make a whole day out oh, of it you. it'll be gorge <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you think, Helen, about this idea. We've talked in in the past on the show about this idea of the white list and things that people do that are acting white or being white. And uh, D'Amika and I have both had the feeling as artists that being an artist is on the white list for some reason. So I was just wondering if, if you've encountered anything like that in the past or within your work, people responding to you in that way? Yeah, I definitely carry some feelings around this. I don't know if I think it's like, I don't necessarily think being an artist is like a white thing to do, but I do think it is still a white world. Like even in Mm. New Mm. Mexico, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we are very ethnically diverse, and there's still there are a lot of really successful um, artists of color here. I still see myself in you know in places I occupy in the creative community where the majority of people I'm talking to are white, um, and not just white, but have some modicum of wealth, right? And so yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard to be not those things, not wealthy nor white and navigating the world that world or trying to thrive in that world and I've also had these weird like um I I do a little bit of curating and I a while back I had a small grant to curate um some window installations and I wanted the the work to I wanted to highlight women artists and I when I was doing this when I was making this list of um female artists that I know who would also work for the work well with the venue that I was doing it at it was hard to come up with non-white artists like even in my own Mm. repertoire even in my own list of people that I knew who could you know who would be able to do this right now and and it was it's difficult it's a difficult thing to sort of navigate because you you know I'm a participant in this sort of creative economy but I have this vision right I want to elevate my own voice and also elevate the voices of the unheard alongside it and it can be really hard to do that you know because you're the pool that you're pulling from is is such a white pool and it, it kind of I think it's just this historical thing right that art was for the upper class and mm-hmm. for the longest time it was mostly white men who were gaining any success and you know even though we're having this sort of I think we are having this sort of flip it's still there's still a lot of battles there you know and I was worried about the mm-hmm. plates against patriarchy when we opened it up for submissions you know I was really worried that only white women would for a lot of different reasons, because mm-hmm. when you are trying to get a diverse audience or a diverse engagement, you have to go out of your way, right? It's more than just opening the door. You yeah. have to really make people oh, feel totally. welcome. And that's one thing that I was really happy about this project. Like now that it's up and I see just the the range of 
experience, age, race, all of the women who submitted, they're just so different from one another. And I think that was Mm -hmm. a really successful project in that way. But I have had some instances where I felt, you know, less, less successful in other ways. It's just sort of this, this line that I walk, I guess. Mm. What steps did you take? Where did you reach out? What did you do that you think made this so successful, this particular project and getting a diverse submission base? So I think um, part of it was that we ourselves were, you know, we were worried about not getting enough. And so we really like went out of our way to hand flyers and things to specific people at specific organizations or who had, you know, reach to others and it was like that legwork like knocking on doors and sort of like Mm. arranging times to meet with people and talking about the project that I think got that diversity because the three of us were diverse and we also have these different networks so I think that that was was just successful I think if we just left sort of like the open call on our website and if we only really marketed via social media I think we would have had less success with the diversity in our in our submissions because we you have to tell people that they're wanted right you just it's not enough mm-hmm. to just say this is available it's like you have to say like no this is a space where we want to hear from you and so it was a lot of like going and specifically asking people to submit or to share with mm-hmm. their community and encourage them to submit and i think that was what was really successful that's amazing yeah i think that's real those layers of privilege make people feel more comfortable to walk through the door, like you said. So when you're trying to reach people outside of that network, it is so important to make sure that they know that you explicitly want them to walk through that door. Yeah. Well, it's a layer of trust as well, of being able to see who will be sharing their image, their story, their views as someone who has a layer and sense of cultural competency. And I love that you went so beyond technology because even realizing there is this, it's a privilege to have internet. It's a privilege for that mm-hmm. kind of thing to come upon people's feeds as well, unless you're already in, as that, you said, that white pool, which that gave me the best and worst mental image ever. Um, it, it is something... <laughs> But you're right of actually going there to where it's like, well, if they're not responding and won't responding in the social media world, let me go to where it is, especially in a place like New Mexico. I absolutely love that, that that imagery of being able to be like, we're bringing you in because you are desired, like physically doing that is something I hope is where art is going to be going towards. Yeah. I wonder, do you feel that your racial identities influence the type of art that you do? I know you've talked a lot about like your connection to women and that that influencing you. What about your racial identities? Do you see that as an influence as well? I definitely um probably in less of a sort of vocalized way. Not not totally unvocalized, but it's you know less of something that I just sort of go out and say. And this might not be true for a lot of mixed race people, but it's true in my case. Racial identity and the presence of just knowing that race is like this ever-present thing in our society is just something that I grew up with from a very formative age. Like the idea of what is black and white and what is to be in between and ethnic identity. All of those things are just concepts that I've had to sort of think about from the get-go. I grew up in New Mexico and New Mexico is a really wonderfully diverse place. But I grew up kind of isolated from my extended family. I didn't have much extended family Mm -hmm. here. 
yeah. white nor black. And I, you know, I didn't go to school with anyone like me. I didn't have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there weren't that many black mm-hmm. people in, in when I went to school, there were less, you know, mixed race people. And then I don't think I've ever met a Venezuelan, a half black Venezuelan who isn't, you know, my family. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think um, I always had this sense of other and I I feel really blessed to have grown up in Albuquerque because even though I was other, because it's so diverse here, it wasn't like this crazy painful existence. Like I think if I had grown up in a place that was really segregated or really racially one way or the other, it would have probably been a little bit harder. But I did have, I did grow up Mm -hmm. with this really big sense of, of being different than those around me. And I think that has sort of colored my artwork and my my necessity to look at identity and to sort of want to share the sort of personal parts of myself and also ask mm-hmm. others to share as well. I think that is where it comes from. And then, you know, in a sort of real aesthetic way, when I'm working sculpturally with clay, I usually do this sort of raw clay where I'm mixing light clays and dark clays. And I think that probably has some sort of psychological root in um, <laughs> yeah. my own existence, right? But All yeah, right, so I, I, yeah, you know, I think that uh, it does definitely come to play in my artwork because it comes to play in probably every facet of my being. Mm. So do these racial identities also impact the way your art is perceived by others as well? I think so, right? Like I think that right. people who... I don't know. It's really interesting. Like I remember being really young and realizing that people, that there's a group of people who just assume that I am American black, right? Like that's my heritage. Mm-hmm. That's right. my culture. And and they would ask me questions that had nothing to do with actually my cultural experience growing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, my mom yes. is Venezuelan, you know, where I'm Latin. That's, that's you know, the culture that I come from. And so people would ask me these questions and ask me these things. And I and I realized it was like, oh, they think that I'm something that I'm, I'm actually not. And I think it be, it comes from a mm. lack of um, exposure of the diversity of Black people, right? Like there's yes, a absolutely. very limited view. Yeah, you know, there's only this very limited view of who Black people are. And so I do meet, and it's not just with my artwork, but with just my experience um, as a person. I do meet this like subset of people who come to me and with that perception in mind and it's very clear and sometimes I meet people who who are asking these types of questions with my artwork right and I and I can sort of tell that they're they have this misguided assumption right Mm. off the bat and I think that's probably the biggest perception that sometimes happens it doesn't happen all the time because then there's this other thing that happens where some people don't know what I am right like they meet me and they don't know that I'm black or they don't know they just don't really know <laughs> what I am but mm. I think that there are you know I you do get these weird questions or these weird perceptions from people that are just assuming some sort of past that you don't really have yeah I think that's that's true for a lot of mixed race people like mm-hmm. I encounter that a lot people have no idea what I am so they just mm-hmm. like don't even know how to handle it yeah. <laughs> Just really confused, right? I remember um yeah. I would always get like two sort of weird comments where there's people who like just assumed that I was, you know, black and that's kind of where their their mind went and that it ended there. And then there was people who were like knew my mom. My mom is very dark and would be like, "But you're not black." 
And mm. what they meant was your mom's not American. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your mom's not yeah. an American black person. Your mom's, it's, you know, so there's just like limited understanding of array of diversity that there are to black people and black experience, right? You just sort of, I think as a mixed race person, you kind of sometimes are confronted with that, that limited scope of reference that people have. Do you feel the need to correct when people ask you these kind of correct, uh, these questions? Or do you, is it one of those things of it's not the time, the place, or you want to just let your art speak for itself and it doesn't really kind of matter their point of view? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that when you get those kind of awkward past or misplaced questions? It just depends. You know, it's like a case. It depends on what mood you're in that day and like how, you know, what mm, you feel true. like going into. And sometimes I don't realize something until after, right? Like I'll have a whole conversation with somebody and then I'll sort of replay what they said and be like, wait, that was a little bit weird. Like I remember mm. I had this really weird discussion with this guy about basically like gentrification, this white guy. And he called at one point in the conversation, he called me street smart and I had never met him before. Right. It was my first time meeting. What? Him. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and then I, and I remember oh. like when he said it, I kind of was just like, well, that's kind of dumb. But then after, then he left. Right. And, and, and I was thinking about, it, I was like, that's actually kind of racist. And it's just that like, when you're in conversation with somebody, you're not, de- you're not in a defensive mode. You're not like, I don't go into conversations mm-hmm. with people with the mindset that I'm going to have to like teach them anything or correct them. But sometimes you think about it afterwards and you're like, wait, maybe I should have said a little bit more there or corrected you. Mm, that is yeah, so but it's true. hard to know, right? Like in the moment, <laughs> how, how could you know? Yeah. And, and how it's yeah. going to be received. And you might be opening a whole can of worms you don't have the energy to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's so great. Well, that's why we need to have more spaces like this to where hopefully this will get out to people to listen. I've been like, ooh, I have called someone street smart and or sassy and not really knowing and just really bringing um, knowledge and kind of awareness mm-hmm. to really think about what you probably meant was blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Give healthy alternatives, mm-hmm. but um, all, all we, all we can do is hope and try to put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like otherizing is never actually a compliment regardless of intent behind <laughs> it. Right. You're like saying, Oh, you're yeah. street smart in the sense that, Oh, I'm not, but you are. And yes, it's based off of how you look in your race. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you in a gallery, right? Like what, what in this, like what, what, like you know nothing about me. I like, I could have, you know what I mean? Like what about this um, interaction makes you think that I'm street smart? It's just all of these things. And I think, I don't know. It's just that I think that there is this sort of characterization of, you know, people of color still. and We're always sort of battling this like caricature that we're sort of made to be. Yeah, well, it's interesting, like, even on the, the, that, I know, with this question of really, like, dissecting it, of being perceived, that's the same thing as your art. Is your art being viewed as street smart and edgy? And you, you, does that make sense yeah. for this this focus mm-hmm. of, like, oh, this is this is great black art. You know, it has this this point of view, and it's instead of, yeah. you know what I mean, instead of taking it for the artist's point of view, despite race. And it's like a hard thing. It's it's it, it's it's really hard. So I I have a in my artist statement, I sort of come out and say like I am a biracial woman. And I say that because I do mm. think like I said earlier, it really colors, you know, the way that I navigate this world. And I've heard some people of co- women of color who are artists who say I don't start, you know, I don't put that into my bio. I don't want to like 
peg myself, like put myself in this sort of category that I can never get out of, or I don't want to just like navigate the discussion there immediately. And I understand that, Mm -hmm. right? Because I've also been in spaces where like with people who are meaning the best, right? Like with wonderful, creative, forward thinking people who say some things to me that are like still a little bit weird where like I I was recently working for a program and um, it was a creative program and I did a sort of exit interview with my sort of manager at the time. And she was like, well, when we hired you, we really wanted to hire someone of color who could relate to the people who you would be working with. And I fully understand that, right? Like, and I fully get it, but it was a weird thing to kind of hear because mm-hmm. then it makes you think like, okay, like I'm, you're welcome for being black. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm glad I could be right. black for you. And no one wants to hear you hired me because I'm a person of color. Like, no uh, one wants I, to hear yeah, that. Like, yeah. And I think, you know, I don't think that's what she was meaning fully. I think it was like this list, you know, she was listing off these sort of, necessities for the position and you know and how I fit them right and that was maybe one of them and where I I understand that that's a place we're at in our society now where we sort of are actively saying we're giving space and we're and credence to people of color like you know to marginalized people like we're going to give them sort of the first we're going to try and make positions for them and I think that's wonderful but then on the flip side of it it is mm-hmm. a weird thing to sort of Mm-hmm. Then to say like, okay, so is my artistic worth, is my artistic message only valuable because I am a black woman in this time and place, right? Because it's like now it's convenient. So I sort of battle with that mm. too, where it's like sometimes I want, I, I really do want people to know when they're like looking at a piece of my art sometimes, like this is where it's coming from. These like this experience is kind of where it's coming from and I'm sharing that with you. But then sometimes i aware of how that's going to limit the conversation or it's going to put people in this place immediately. And so I I don't know what the answer is, right? Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. the best practice is as an artist of color who's working with, you know, social justice themes. Like, what do you do? But I do know it's still kind of uncomfortable, but nothing's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and I think along the lines of what you're saying, I feel like art is so deeply personal and you're already putting yourself Mm -hmm. out there in that way Mm -hmm. and to think that someone is judging that without knowing who you are is very difficult Mm -hmm. at least that's my own feeling yeah and I also have a very white name (laughs) I'm I'm like very aware of it right like my name is Helen Atkins you know those are both white names and so I think that you know if somebody just sees my name next to something that's also going to like their perception is going to be somewhere else. You know, they're going to think that I'm probably an older white woman who's making this artwork. So sometimes, you know, (laughs) you know, I have to sort of give a little bit more information. I also have a very white name. So I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't relate. Mine mine is toned down. At least seven ethnic notches on my name, especially my my maiden name. My maiden name is Brown. It needs to come down a little bit. It's really hard to get jobs, guys, with that name. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I was thinking and I was recently thinking about my white name and how I think it's both things. Like, I think sometimes it's not it's a curse, but sometimes it's like I have to say it's a ble- I think it's like an approachable name for white people mm. to sort of accept this person of color. Right. They see, you know what I mean? It, it sort of like lightens me for them. And I, and I do think that I have had I can I can point out some instances in my life where I think that my white name has given me 
um, some privilege. Mm. Ooh, I could spend all day on that. I won't yeah. touch it. We have so <laughs> many questions. I'm like, I'm like, like grinding the arms of my chair because I really want to like <laughs> just dive and rip that whole thing apart. But that's so outside of the the topic <laughs> this time yeah. around. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Danny? Should we have we have a little bit more time? Yeah, yeah. I think we have time maybe for like one more question. I guess to kind of wrap it up, I'm wondering if you have any artists of color or mixed race artists who inspire you and if there's any that you think we should we should actively seek out artists that we should be aware of. Yeah, so there is an artist and I'm going to butcher her last name. Her name is Genevieve and it's Gennard or Gennard um but she's a photography artist and she does, she's sort of, she's mixed race and she does these really awesome photographs of herself where she sort of embodies these stereotypes. And the reason why mm. I really like her is because she talks, like she has this really simple statement about them where she talks about how, you know, she's being black. Well, she is black, she is white and she is neither. And I think that's such an experience mm. of people of, you know, mixed cultural and racial heritage you know you are you are both things or the three things but you're also not any of them at the same time and I just think that that's a really lovely um thing to try to capture with art and she does a really good job with her photographs and then I like you know I'm I'm really into this very controversial series by Andres Serrano so he's famous sort of shock artist who did the piss Christ right where he He's a photographer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he did this series and I remember, and every, this series would sort of come up in a lot of my art classes when I was in school, we would always have these heated discussions about it, but he did this series where he met with clans members, interviewed them, and then took these huge portraits of them in their, you know, in their robes. And some people hate it, right? They're like, this is horrible. Why is he giving Mm -hmm. these men voice, you know, these, these, these hateful voices. And then he's sort of like honoring them in his robes, in their robes. And I sort of, I sort of was into it because, you know, he is a mixed race artist himself. And I felt like there was something really interesting about this. And he's also, I think he's Latin, American and I don't remember where he's from but I think there's something Mm. interesting about him inserting himself into this like culture of hate that he directly is like what these people are against you know the mixing of races is a very huge no-no to white nationalists and white supremacists and for him to go Mm -hmm. there and meet with these men I think that that's just a really interesting just a human phenomenon a weird artistic endeavor so I kind of respect it I think it's a controversial series it's called The Clan I don't feel one way or the other about it but it is an interesting sort of they're older works I think from the 90s but I think it's an interesting sort of thing that happened and something to be aware of and to sort of ponder. Mm. I I love art that actually does that of like more people going towards art, not making you feel like it's good. Is it bad? And I think people trying to put it into these two categories. And I don't think those are the categories that art is ever really was ever made to be put into good or bad, but the fact of just having a conversation yeah, and just invoking those things that, you know, how do you bring up the clan in casual conversation to anybody <laughs> at any time. Yeah. But the fact that like, you know, on a, what day is this? A Saturday afternoon, three people from different parts of the world or walks of life, like can sit down and just crack this open and just kind of go for it. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's, 
that is something to look for in in art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, de- 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 definitely one of those mo- those things of like, huh? I've got feelings. Let, yeah. let, let's let's dive in. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, unpack definitely. those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Danny, since I mean we just got done talking about art about the Klansmen, should should we go into <laughs> our our happy place? I mean, it yes. just seems like a natural segue. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Mika, do you want to start off? What's what's your happy place this week? I would love to, and I'm going to be super greedy, even though we have a guest and I should be on my best behavior. I have two, and I you can't make me pick. So my happy place today is something I came up on the internet. For once, the internet actually gave me something good in my life, which is great. Um, there is, I guess it's just starting on HBO, which once I said, I mean, I live in England, so everything I feel, I get everything quite late. It just started in August though, but it's called A Black Lady Sketch Show and it's on HBO. Have you yes, heard of this? Yes, I just, I just heard uh, <laughs> an interview with her on another podcast. She sounds amazing, the oh, like main woman behind it. Yeah. Oh, my pigeons. Like as someone who wanted to run away and write comedy and someone who is what she wanted to do with her life, but never thought there'd be a place for her. I'm watching it. And it's just like, ah, like I'm watching mm-hmm. clips online and I'm like, I am like there. It's kind of like it, even like an homage, to like kids in the hall where sometimes they'll play ma- male characters as well. And it's, it's so beautiful. They're, 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 they're writing and they're producing and they're starring and they didn't try to do, they even talked about the title in an interview. They're like, we wanted to be very clear, a black lady sketch show. And I think everyone should jump on board. We should be promoting this. We should be on board. I mean, I am just, I'm heavily enjoying it. I'm always looking for them like little bits and bobs of the sketches when I'm on the interwebs. Yeah. They they have uh, Gabriel Denise. They've even got, um, Laverne Cox on that. They have Angela Bassett, I guess, guest starred on one. It is so very, very exciting. I'm, I'm legitimately quite giddy about it. So that brought me a lot of joy. And my second one, I'm going to have to thank Danny for this because I am. I'm being super greedy today. My <laughs> second one, I'm thanking Danny for. A while ago, we did something about a nostalgic. Wow. <laughs> nostalgic. <laughs> That accent, words, though. <laughs> words. <laughs> Nostalgic lunchbox. We did about throwback food, and you brought up orbits, but you talked about putting chia seeds in water. Girl, changed the game. <laughs> I love it. Love it. I've been doing chia seeds in water with a little bit of grapefruit and or lemon. I've never felt so bougie and increased my fiber intake. So if that's on a happy place, I don't know what is. I'm actually staring at a glass right now of chia seed water and it brings me so much joy. So (laughs) apparently I couldn't pick between the two. So that should tell you about my priorities in life. (laughs) No, they're they're lovely, happy places. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I do the best I can. (laughs) Helen, what about you? What's your happy place? 
Well, I love working in my studio late at night and listening to podcasts, but specifically true crime podcasts to bring it to a more yes. once again. <laughs> and this week I listened to in almost one night uh, to live and die in LA, which is an amazing mm. podcast. Ooh. You, everyone needs to listen to it. So yeah, Writing that is my happy down place. <laughs> yeah, LA. I'm gonna oh just like put it in my. Uh... <laughs> I'm just going to put it in my podcast app right now to live in the NLA. You are yeah. like in the best company right now for true crime. Yeah. <laughs> I love to like work until the middle of the night and listen to some stuff so that I'm just scared enough that I run to my car, right? In this desolate. Yes. Park and then you listen to something and yeah. you got to work out in. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it helps that your studio is in an old creepy building. So yeah. Exactly. Makes it kind of in the base in, in the, the basement the as well. Yes, I love it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I just like, I didn't know it was in the basement. Yeah, yeah. I have a basement studio. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Danny. What was your happy place? Well, my happy place is a bit of a predictive happy place because it hasn't happened this week yet, but it'll happen tomorrow. Okay, Um, that's all that matters. Yeah, so this weekend is Akimatsuri, which is Japanese fall festival here in Albuquerque. And so I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. I've gone pretty much every year since maybe like 2002, 2003 that I've been in Mm -hmm. Albuquerque. So I'm really excited about it. It's like a tradition that me and one of my best friends, her and I always go every year. So Mm, where is it at? It's been all over the place because, you know, the Japanese American Citizens League doesn't have a home (laughs) here Mm. in Albuquerque, doesn't have their own space. So like they've had it. They used to have it at the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center for a long Mm. time. And then they had it at the National Hispanic Cultural Center. But this year it's at like Veterans Memorial Park, which it was there last year, too. So. Mm. I just love it. I love to eat my Japanese food, see, mm, that you know, amazing. Japanese music and Japanese dance and make me feel connected to Japan. <laughs> so thanks, Helen. We really appreciate you taking your time to talk with us today. And yeah, that was really great. That was your first time yeah, meeting Helen. Good. What'd you think? I know. Dude, kind of like everything I need and desire in a mixed woman. <laughs> no, but so beyond that, like, honestly, it's um when you meet someone who has not only a similar, similar point of view, but can actually get you to kind of think outside of yourself and likes true crime. She's kind of a dream. Right now, she's kind of the whole package. The entire package. Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't compare her to Amazon. People Talking hate Amazon. <laughs> what people say they hate Amazon. Let let's just leave it at that. People no, say they true. hate Amazon. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, better, better, better than that. There we go. Locally shipped package. I don't. Now I'm floundering. You should think. <laughs> We should thank people and leave while we're on top because the interview was a good one. It was a good one. So thanks again to Helen. We're so happy to have her this week. Ah, such an awesome unicorn. Yes. And it's always just so nice to hear about someone else's experience. 
It's really true. I think it really kind of cements the feeling of if you can try to find people that you can kind of share these experiences with, it makes you feel less crazy. At least it does for me. Of being like, yeah, I'm glad someone else has had something somewhat of a similar life experience as well. Exactly. So if you are lovely unicorns out there who are listening, want to share your experience with us, we highly, highly encourage it and always welcome it. You can reach us via email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns, and we're on Twitter at biracialmagic. Yes, we want to thank so much to our lovely artist at Dolly Pop Art, who did our great uh, cover art, which, by the way, if you're interested in getting a sticker, that's going to be coming up. It's great. It's cool. Also, we want to thank Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City for doing our intro and outro music. Guys, find artists, like artists, follow artists. Yes. And we'll be back next week mm. with a mini-sode, possibly something spooky. Ooh, but can you handle it? I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it because I love it so much. <laughs> I, love it this, I love this time of year. That's all I'm going to say. And this is about as much of emotion you're going to get from Danny <laughs> for the rest of the year. So y'all better yeah. soak it up and see. And yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm excited. So. So mini-sode next week, full episode again in two weeks. Mm. So we'll see you then. Peace. Out. Out.